Hey there, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about onboarding and the effect it has on your no like, and trust factor. Welcome to the No Like, and Trust show with Brittany Gardner, the podcast where we explore the world of personal branding and how to build your no like, and trust factor up for ultimate business success. And now here's your host, Brittany Gardner. Today, I'm going to be talking with Robin Carberry. She runs Robin Carberry Coaching, and I've known her for a little while. We have such a fun time talking, and we actually ended up chatting for a half hour after this podcast interview and both kind of closed it by saying, we need to do this again and not have it be just because we're talking on a podcast because we really do have really great discussions. And I'm excited to bring that to you guys. I'm excited to bring to you guys a real in and out discussion on the effect that the onboarding process can have on your no like and trust factor. One of the things that Robin actually said in the interview is that your brand experience starts with visibility, but it doesn't end there. And that is something that I don't talk about nearly often enough. And I'm so glad that Robin has actually stepped in to give us some information on this. Robin is a business coach who helps Gen X women start, build, and scale successful online businesses. She's got ever-evolving hair color. That's true, by the way. I've seen at least four colors on her. A big passion for life. And she believes strongly that midlife isn't the start of a long, boring trek to retirement. Robin has coached hundreds of entrepreneurs in offer creation, funnel strategy, launching, and more. She loves helping Gen X service-based experts grow their businesses like the grown-ass women they are. All right, with that, let's move on to the interview. All right, Robin, I am super happy to have you on the No Like and Trust Show. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking me. So for our listeners, I first met Robin maybe a little more than a year ago. She was one of the coaches in the program I was taking on building uh, self-liquidating offers. And I've more or less stayed in touch with you, Robin. And I've just, I've loved seeing all of the things that you're posting, the products you're putting out. So I'm actually really excited to hear how this interview goes and and just to kind of dive in. Sounds good to me. Well, cool. So you have a product called Onboard Like a Boss. I love the title just in general, like let's call it what it is. Let's state it very obviously. But what I really was hoping to kind of flesh into today a little bit is how the onboarding process can build or kill your no like and trust factor. And and I know you have some opinions here, so I'm actually really excited to kind of just jump right into this topic. So I love this direction, Brittany, because when I created Onboard Like a Boss, that wasn't really the thing that was in front of my mind necessarily. It was really more about making the onboarding process easier for service providers and coaches Because I know so many people, and it would shock you how many people who have been in business for a long time are still scrambling around when it comes time to onboarding. They put all this effort into their sales pages and their funnels and their all the other things, the sales calls. And then when it comes to onboarding, it's just wah, wah. So I put this program together and then I realized that it was an incredibly effective tool for building trust and building a client relationship. And I hadn't even really thought about it that way before, which of course was an duh moment, but it just starts everything off on the right foot in so many different ways. You look like a pro, or as I like to say, you show up like a grown-up, and your clients appreciate that. It's just makes the whole process easy and simple for everybody. 
but it builds trust because the very first interaction you have once everybody's agreed and said, hey, yay, we're gonna work together. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be so much fun. The very first interaction after that is professional and put together. And again, you've shown up like a grown up. I like how you say showing up like a grown up. I think that part right there is really important because you're right. We we do put a lot of attention in our social media and having a, a funnel that not only looks good, but sells well. And then, you know, I would imagine this happens pretty often. I have certainly experienced it as, as a client myself, you get like a plain text email saying, Hey, we'll talk soon or something like that. And you're like, uh, oh, okay. And and to me, it's like an expectation dash. And that's obviously not going to help build up that no like, and trust factor. But, but beyond that, I don't know. I've, no, I've noticed this with both really like entry level products. And then also with like really high end, you know, service options, when you're investing money in somebody else's world, whether that's, you know, $27 for an entry-level product or whether it's, you know, 2000, 4,000 or, or what have you for more of like a one-on-one or a high-end high-ticket experience, you've invested something of yourself and for everything to look so pretty and feel so polished and feel grown up, as you say, at the beginning, and then just like drop off to like, you know, that first email you sent on your Yahoo account 25 years ago, it just feels weird. Right. And then all of a sudden the thoughts come rushing in and I've, I've been on both sides of this thoughts coming rushing in. Did I make a mistake? Am I going to hear from her again? When am I going to hear from her again? What is this even going to look like? Is she going to meet any timeframes? All of a sudden something that you were super excited about comes something that you're questioning. And that's certainly not a good way to build trust. Yeah. Not so much. Those, those questions are probably one of the easiest ways to kill trust. Exactly. So instead of putting yourself in a position where on the service provider side, you're saying, oh crap, now what do I do? I need to, I need to get this and that and this and that and make this thing happen. And you're freaking out and scrambling around trying to pull things together. If you have a process, if you have a system to onboard your clients, it's very, very simple for you to say, okay, push this button put this thing in, check this, these things off the list, and that you know you've covered everything. And then you can tell your client before you get off the call, after she's agreed to work with you, okay, this is what you can expect. Why? Because you know exactly what she can expect. So the process starts right there before you even end that first call. This is what you can expect to receive from me. If you have any questions, let me know. And then you go and you start your process because it is a process and it's a process that you know and you're familiar with and you're comfortable with. So like when you're when you're talking about that process that helps people feel comfortable, I think back to my first real job, quote unquote, that I had like way back when, when I was in high school, I was a server at like a local like pie shop type restaurant. And I got hired. They were in desperate need of help. They probably shouldn't have hired me. I was an awful waitress for the record, but like they handed me my uniform, like my shirt and an apron and said, wear either black pants or khakis and we'll let you know when you're scheduled. And it was like so low tech, obviously, but it was also like no muss, no fuss. It was like, here's your uniform. We'll tell you what day you're scheduled. And it was my first job. I didn't know what I was doing. I was definitely in like the no man's land of, of questioning everything and feeling very insecure. I had never worked for anyone before, but just knowing exactly what was expected of me, wear this uniform, wear these pants and show up when we tell you to was enough for me to be like, okay, well I can do this. I can take that next step. 
with employees, with like corporations, you know, they have these things kind of all, all dialed in, but, you know, as, as one-off service providers or even people running digital info product businesses, it's like, we kind of forget that we need to have these processes. Well, right. Because we're so focused on getting the sale for lack of a better way to put it, that we focus on that hundred percent. And then when it comes to the other side, it's, it's running around like a chicken with your head cut off which it doesn't have to be that way. That's the crazy thing. It doesn't have to be that way. It's so simple to actually have a process. And what's even better than that is that nine times out of 10, your client doesn't even know what is required for you to do the work that you have committed to do for them. So whether it's building a website or writing a sales page or you know entering into a coaching relationship, they don't know what they don't know. So for you to show up with all of the things that they need to deliver to you, what the schedule is going to look like, how they should expect to communicate with you, setting boundaries by these are the, my hours and these are the ways I communicate and this is the scope of the project. And you know all those good things that go into things like contracts and confidentiality agreements and scope of work and checklists for what's involved in the job itself, that all makes your client's job so much easier to get to you what it is that you need. And it makes it easier for you to deliver it without delays, without concerns, without problems. And boy, if you make your client's life easier, they are pretty gosh darn likely if you deliver all the things to refer you to other people because it's been a great experience on top of receiving great deliverables. You know, um, something you said there kind of sparked an idea. You said, if you make your client's life easier and I'm not disagreeing with you, obviously I agree with that, but something that I've experienced personally after hiring someone is getting like a barrage list of things that I need to accomplish, like do this and then do this and then do this. And in my case, in that particular time, I was like, oh, oh, I have like a whole bunch of things I could do before we can even start this process. What, what are your thoughts on that? Is there like a specific way you like to onboard people so that's like a little bit at a time or do you like giving them all of the information all at one time? Well, I think part of what you're talking about needs to be handled on the front end. And when I say on the front end, it's in terms of your discovery call and your process for vetting clients. Because sometimes somebody will hire you to do something and maybe you're not actually ready for that work to be done if there's so much work that you need to do to be ready to have your website designed or have your branding done or have a, you know, a social media plan put in, into place for you, whatever those things happen to be. You might think, hey, yeah, this is exactly what I need, but what you need is actually five steps before that. So that part of that should be done in your discovery call process and your vetting process, just to make sure you're not going to dump a pile of stuff on a client. And they're like, oh my gosh, I have 10 days of work to do before I can even start working with you. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing I found over time is that most clients appreciate knowing what's expected from them in the very beginning. And if it's going to cut down ultimately on the amount of communication that's required, the number of emails that are required, and then all of a sudden you're trying to keep track of all these different lanes of communication, all these different emails, what did, what did I provide? What didn't I provide? Then 
you know, if you have a checklist in the very beginning, you can check all those things off. The service provider can in turn check those things off as they receive them and follow up on maybe things that are missing. It just makes the communication channels that much cleaner and it makes it that much easier for the service provider to get to work. 100%. I feel like the checklist is such an undervalued thing here because you can look at the checklist and, you know, let's say there's 10 items on it and you're only able to do three right now, but at least you know what's coming. Exactly. And if, you know, the project is happening in stages, it is possible for you to break that up into stages and you just give, you know, okay, here's the deadlines for these things that I need. Keep in mind that these things are coming down the pike, but you don't need to get them to me right away. So that can help with the overwhelm as well. It's that I don't need all these things tomorrow to get to work, but this is what's involved in the project. And these are the timelines in which I need to have these things to keep things moving forward and meet the deadlines. So one of the things that we talked about early on while we were scheduling up this interview was you were talking about how, yes, visibility is an important piece of, of everything. And that's where your brand experience starts, of course, but you know, it doesn't end there. And I'd love for you to expand upon that a little. Well, this ties into what I was speaking about earlier in terms of the client experience and making the client's journey easier with you and ending up in a great testimonial or a referral at the end of the day, instead of, see ya, thanks, nice knowing you. So visibility, of course, is, again, part of the equation that we all focus on. We focus on what our brand looks, sounds, and feels like. We focus on communicating and connecting with people. We focus on giving them value and making sure that we understand what it is they think they need so we can deliver that, but also deliver what we know that they need. But if somebody has that experience with you and then walks through your virtual front door to have the work done and you look like a mess and you don't have it together, then all of that hard work you've done in terms of your visibility just went out the window. So that's how those things connect. It's, it's the experience doesn't stop when you move off of social media and onto Zoom or into emails or into whatever method of communication it is that you're using with your client. That all has to continue. And again, like I said, showing up like a grown-up, that helps. So when you say it all continues there and you know it has to go from social media to Zoom in a fairly seamless way for you to you know, get that good experience for your clients, for you to eventually gain that testimonial or referral. What are the things that you've seen people stumble over the most? I think one of the biggest stumbling blocks to go back to the checklist is really having a clear laid out, whether it's, you know, in Trello and I provide a Trello board with my product, but that's not everybody's thing just being clear about what's required for you to actually do the job that you've committed to do. So you can know how to write a sales page, you can know how to build a website, but if you don't have all those things spelled out to the smallest detail, yes, I need a favicon. Yes, I need all your branding colors. Yes, I need all the, you know, the hex codes for those branding colors. Yes, I need access to your your existing website. Yes, I need images and they have to be in this format and in this size. You might know all those things as you're sort of cruising through, but you can't expect your client to know those things up front. So if you don't have all those things listed out, spelled out, that you can hand that over to your client and say, this is exactly what I need, then you get into this back and forth business. This doesn't write, this doesn't fit. I don't have access, I can't get in. And again, you look like 
you don't really have your mess together. It's like, wow, does she really know how to build a website? I'm not quite sure because she doesn't seem to know what to ask me for to make it happen. I love that. And I think you bring up a really good point that even if you as the service provider do know all the things, and even if you'd rather ask for them, you know, as you need it, just asking for everything in one place, that alone tells your client, hey, I really do know what I'm talking about. And because I know what I'm talking about so well, I'm going to lay it all out right here. Right, exactly. And, you know, talking about building trust, having an onboarding system for yourself, for your business, helps you build trust in yourself as well, that you are a professional, that you do know what you're doing. So especially in those times when you're maybe stretching yourself a little bit, maybe you've just increased your prices, or maybe you're adding on a new service that you haven't done before, even though you know how to do it, that you haven't offered before. If you have your stuff together in terms of your onboarding system, it helps you be confident in yourself and trust yourself that yes, I can do this and I can deliver. I love that you just called that out. Okay. So it's one of the things I say a lot of times to, to my clients while we're putting together content plans, that one of the best ways to kind of move through imposter syndrome or even lesser versions of imposter syndrome is, is really just to keep talking about what you're doing, because as you keep talking about it, you're going to realize, oh, wait, I really do know what I'm talking about. And the onboarding system you create is just yet another extension of that, really. Exactly. Exactly. And it's proof to yourself, not just that you know what you're talking about, that you are going to be teaching your client and educating your client throughout this process too. Because like I said, so many, so many times we hire somebody to do something because we don't want to learn how to do it. We don't want to figure out how to do it. We don't have the time for any of those things, but we certainly don't mind being educated about the process and what to expect and what a professional website looks like, what a, what a good converting sales page looks like, what goes into those things, why market research is necessary. You know, so many people don't know those things. So when they get educated as part of this onboarding process by this service provider, that it builds their confidence too. And then you like, wow, look, I taught somebody something. That's pretty freaking cool. Well, and then hopefully, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? So hopefully they'll turn around and the next time they have something new that they're offering, they can also be like, you know, I, I really enjoyed my experience working with Robin. She brought me through the process so easily. I always knew what to expect. And hopefully they can turn around and do that for those clients that they are serving as well. That is such a good point. And I have learned, <laughs> I have learned and quote unquote stolen so many things <laughs> from professional experiences, positive experiences, fun experiences, working with other people. And just, you know, you can look at something, even if it's not exactly what you do, you can look at an experience you have and say, wow, how can I adapt that for my business to do this better? Because that was just really cool. So leading from there, what is the best onboarding experience you ever had? Oh my goodness. I would say my best onboarding experience was when I signed up for my first high-end mastermind. And I was scared to death because I knew that I wasn't qualified to be in that mastermind. <laughs> and I was stretching myself even to get on the call to do the interview. And the process started with the interview, which put me at ease and made me more comfortable. 
and she adjusted to my concerns and where I was at in my business, invited me in, and then immediately made me feel even more at home by sending me information about what was, you know, that reiterated all the things on the call and, and that, you know, the contract and the invoice payment and all of that was very smooth. But then it continued on to, you know, this, here's what you can expect in the first month. Here's when our first call is scheduled. Here's what the group looks like. Come in, introduce yourself. And all of it was just about making me comfortable in a decision that I made that made me wildly uncomfortable and made me feel like I belonged and I fit in, along with the nuts and bolts pieces of it as well. Like, you know, this is what you can expect. This is what the journey of the year is gonna look like. Uh, here, here are the, the things that we can support you on. Here's your access to the, the course area where, you know, this is this section and this is this section. It made it very easy for me to move around and move through that entire process. And like I said, I started out extremely uncomfortable and I, and I ended up feeling like I was welcomed and I wasn't lost and I wasn't confused. You know, one of the things you said in there that was really interesting to me is that you went from feeling like you were totally out of your depth to feeling like you fit in. And that fitting in piece, I feel like is such an important thing. And I know a lot of sales pages will have that section towards the end. And it's like, this, this thing is for you if X, Y, Z, and this thing is not for you if X, Y, Z. And a lot of those sections can be a little snarky and have a little bit of, you know, sassiness to them. But what you just described is kind of like the heartfelt, authentic version of that. Like, Hey, I have these concerns. And then, you know, those concerns were addressed, but also because of the rest of the process of bringing you into that mastermind you kind of lost that feeling of inferiority and started to feel like, oh, this is a place where I really can grow. Right, exactly. And it's funny because I definitely fell into, you know, I mean, the sales page did have, this is for you if, and this is not for you if. And it wasn't all that snarky, but it was pretty clear. And I was like, okay, check on that, check on that, no check on that, no check on that, no check on that. All right, I'm doing it anyway. And it was okay. It was okay. Like I always say it's having a conversation doesn't hurt anybody. So open the door and see what that actually means to have the conversation, even if, you know, and I'm totally sidetracking here, but I was literally just running across this, this stat the other day. It's not really a stat, but it talks about how women approach in this case, it was looking for a promotion or a new job. And how women look at a checklist of things that they, you know, if I don't meet every single requirement, then, oh no, I can't apply for that. Or I can't, you know, I can't put in a pitch for that, or I can't put a proposal in for that because I don't meet hundred percent of the requirements. Whereas a dude would be like, check one, check two. Hey, I'm in, I'm the perfect fit. Even though they didn't check three through five. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit of that there going on as well. And, and I had a conversation with myself at the time and I say this to myself on occasion. So if I was a dude, what would I do? And that was one of those times where I was like, if I was a dude, what do I do? I, I, I'd let her tell me I don't fit in. I wouldn't make the decision for myself. I'd let her tell me that. You know, it's so interesting that you bring that stat up. My, my husband was laid off last year and he, you know, it happened during COVID getting a new job was not spectacularly easy at the time, but there were so many job listings that just, even for me, not someone as, that was an expert in his field. I was like, that doesn't even make sense. Why would that be a requirement for that job listing? And 
he just started applying for them anyway. And, you know, he ended up getting a great job. The whole process was wonderful with the company that did eventually hire him and all that. But I looked at how some people put those qualification lists together. And I don't think this happens as much in, in our industry where we're talking about, you know, masterminds or services that you're providing and things like this. But I do think in the broad scope, a lot of people just put lists of requirements together because it looks good or it beefs up a sales page or things like that. And you're right. You know, if you, if you're hitting the mark on a, a good chunk of them, odds are it could be a good fit. True. And if, you know, and again, in the sales page realm, if the page resonated with you, generally speaking, and you got down to the end and it was like, okay, two out of three or three out of five. Yeah. You know, go for it. Why not? Because if the rest of it felt like a good fit, then there's a good chance that it, that it is a good fit. So on the flip side, have you had any really bad onboarding experiences? And, and maybe if you have, like, what did you learn from it? <laughs> yeah. And, and I learned that I didn't have my act together as much as I should have when it comes to this particular area. I hired a social media VA to help me show up consistently because that was something that pretty much, and I'm not unusual here, I know that, Mm -hmm. that when I got busy, one of the first things that went was visibility. So I hired somebody who was recommended by another person who I trusted. And I knew that this, the person that I hired was doing work for this other person. And I said, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's do it. And she was like, great. And, you know, she said, can you give me access to these things? I gave her access to those things. And then she's like, all right, I'm going to go do my thing. And I have no idea what her thing actually consisted of. I know she was putting the content out and I know I was happy with what she was putting out, but I had no idea how she put it all together or what her process was or what it looked like. So when she ghosted me, I was sitting there going, "Mm, I have no idea how to do any of this. Awesome. That's so cool. Um, So that showed me that if I am going to go with somebody else's process, I better educate myself on what that process actually looks like. So I can fill in the gaps if need be, or I can hire somebody else to fill in the gaps because I know how it works. Yeah. No, that's, that's a really good lesson for every business owner. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, those are the types of things I need to learn the hard way, clearly. Because you thought you were doing the right thing. You, you were hiring someone to support you in an area that you knew that you were you know, falling down on a little bit, especially when you got busy. You were, you were doing the right thing. You were outsourcing something that somebody else could do so that you could continue doing the things that only you can do. And by all accounts, that was the right decision. But the only way you were really going to know that you needed to know that person's process was by you experiencing a situation where you suddenly didn't know that person's process. Yeah, fair enough. I think I honestly was just so freaking relieved to get it off my plate that I decided just not to think about it. So if I had really thought about it, I would have said, you know, I probably need to know a little bit more than I do right now. But I was, like I said, I was just so relieved not to have to think about it that that was really the path of least resistance. I do find it very interesting that you and I both experienced more or less the same problem in the exact same kind of person that we hired, because I had the same experience several months back. I hired a social media VA and in my case, it wasn't so much that they did their thing and it was great. And they ghosted me. It was more that they weren't doing it the way I wanted to do it. So when I hired someone to replace them, 
I created like a mini training program and put it in my membership area for like my other course learning products. And I just assigned that task to the, the new person I hired and said, here's a little training I put together. And, you know, if you have your own way of doing things, that's great, but this is how I like it to be done. We can always discuss it if there's a different way that you like better. And it's worked fabulously for me. So I'm hoping that that means that was the right process. What I love so much about that is that you created a training and put it in your membership area. So this is something that other people can, who, who are in your membership can take advantage of and learn from as well. No, I have literally one member in it and it's the person doing the work right now, but you give me a good idea. I could make that available to other people, especially my one-on-one clients who are eventually going to be doing the same process. That's, that's a great idea. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, wow, she did sort of like I did with Onboard Like a Boss. She found a need and she filled it for herself. And then she made it a product that she could sell to other people too. Now you're giving me food for that. I like that. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. Oh, Robin, this has been great. Do you have any closing thoughts? And also, where can people find you online if they are interested in something like Onboard Like a Boss? So closing thoughts, I would say, first of all, remember that an onboarding system, a real system builds trust for your clients and builds trust in yourself. And I would say almost the second part is more important because that helps you show up more confidently and deliver your services more confidently. It also sets up you and your client for a great experience. No more 95 emails to try and get one piece of information that saves you in time and money. It also saves your client multiple headaches. And then the third piece is that, like I said, an onboarding system saves time and money. And it also makes it easy to delegate. So that person that you've hired on, here's my onboarding process. This person agreed to sign on. Here you go. Go run with that. Let me know if there are questions. So all of that said, you can find me on Instagram at at Robin underscore Carberry, spelled C-A-R, like a car, B-E-R-R-Y, like a berry, underscore coaching. And I love Instagram. It's so much fun. And Brittany, you know that I see you all the time on there. And yeah, we're, we're, we're both. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm also on Facebook. You can just search Robin Carberry. You'll find either me or the dog trainer in Ohio. I am not the dog trainer in Ohio. And if you're interested in onboard like a boss, then you can just get yourself on over to robincarberry.co slash onboard like a boss. Perfect. Well, Robin, thank you so much. Thank you. So happy to talk to you. You know, I'm happy to talk to you anytime though. (laughs) This is true. All right. Thanks once again to Robin. We had such a great time talking about the onboarding process. I hope you guys got everything that you needed from this interview. And if you did, I highly suggest you hop on over to Robin's Onboard Like a Boss product. I do own it. I have actually paid for it. And it is a wonderful product to help you get these processes together for your business. 